0: And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Saryan, author, channeler, and spiritual historian. He has received visitations from angels and ETs that showed him the living records of Earth and other worlds. Sarian, thank you for joining me today, and welcome.
1: Thank you. It's an honor.
0: In doing my research of you, I saw that you've had out-of-body experiences just after finishing college. Can you tell us about that? Well,
1: actually, actually started my first year of college. And what's interesting is just in the last year, I have recovered memories of early childhood out-of-body experiences where I, I now remember that I started to receive this kind of training for going out-of-body from the age of three till about the age of seven. So there's like this hidden chapter where there was a lot of things being put into my consciousness and then it's like the doorway closed and I forgot. I, you know, This whole chapter of my life where this kind of training was going on uh, was forgotten and it was in my teenage years that a lot of that started to open back up again. But I didn't even realize how many seeds had actually been planted in early childhood until I mean, literally just a few months ago. So you know, there's things being remembered all the time. But yeah, in my first year of college, I had read the books of Robert Monroe, and was really keen to try having an out of body experience, I wanted to, you know, taste it for myself. And I was really eager and hungry for this. And I remember like, maybe a couple weeks before I had the first one I had this unusual experience of feeling disassociated from my body. I was just in the backseat of a car. My mom was driving us across town and I felt disconnected. And it was almost like I was floating a little bit. It was almost something that could make you feel a bit nauseous. And I was like, what is going on? I've never felt this feeling before. And thinking back, I actually feel that was like a precursor. Like somebody was working on me from the higher dimensions to get me ready. And then a few weeks later, I had the first one where it was unmistakable that I was coming out of my body. My consciousness, my spirit was able to see that my body was lying there on the bed. And I was starting to become aware of, you know, what Robert Monroe calls the second body or the astral body.
0: Now, you mentioned when you were younger, you were trained. To me, that implies somebody was training you. Who do you think that was?
1: Well, I have been very close with uh, angelic guides throughout my life. I didn't always know that in the teen years, but in these memories going back to early childhood, these were actually extraterrestrial guides that came in. Uh, I kind of describe extraterrestrials in these two categories. There are those that have become integrated with their angelic counterparts meaning that you know when they contact you they're coming through an angelic frequency to make contact with you they're doing so at the request of your own angelic guides and so there's a similarity in frequency and then there are those that come from outside of that frequency realm Uh, and so these were definitely extraterrestrial guides that were connected with the angelic frequency Uh, But they were helping me through a very, very difficult period of my early life where there was a lot of trauma going on. And they made it easy for me to deal with the trauma by helping me to disassociate from the body and to receive a teaching about what was going on in my life so that I wasn't just purely traumatized. I was also getting this teaching about love versus non-love. So that way, when I got old enough to start to reintegrate these traumas from early childhood, I would also be integrating these teachings about love at the same time, kind of soften the blow, so to speak.
0: Right. Do you believe that you planned these teachings pre-birth?
1: Absolutely, yeah. I think all of these kinds of decisions about, uh, you know, the traumas that we might choose, life lessons, uh, experiences of training with different guides, talents that we come in with, All of those things are decided before we incarnate. At least that's my experience.
0: Technically, in my opinion, angels could be considered ETs because there are non-human intelligence and they generally don't reside here on the earth. Some people will call ETs angels and some people will call them demons. Give me your take on that.
1: For me, I've had experiences of revelation that go back to the earliest experiences or, or memories of how the whole matrix of reality was created, or you know what came before the universe, what the universe was birthed out of. And so I now have a, a living memory that I carry of angels being the first beings that were created. Uh, so angels are the original source in a sense of, the multiplicity of beings, you know, the the first aspect of the many in one experience, and so you could say that ultimately all beings are uh, coming from an angelic source from a certain level, and some went out to have experiences of incarnating into living worlds and uh, taking on a whole different kind of experience and role in the universe, in the manifestation and creation of the universe, and then there are those that are. There to guide the creation and nurture it and support it and help it to remember its original source as love um, and to become greater love. And so I think of the angels, most of the ones that I call angels, that I work with as angels as coming from that kind of a frequency of consciousness, of source consciousness that is pure love, that is here to help us remember ourselves as pure love, and that is you know married to the blueprint of our soul's growth in a way that is so pure uh, purely dedicated to helping us grow um with extraterrestrial beings like i said there's like a spectrum you know so you have those that are integrated with the angelic presence you have those that uh, you know may not even be aware that an angelic presence exists and you've got everything in between And so the process that we're going through on our world now is one of becoming conscious of our angelic blueprint and becoming integrated with that pure love angelic presence. And along the way, we're having the opportunity to meet with extraterrestrial civilizations that have also gone through that process of becoming uh, married to or infused with their angelic counterparts. So they are more angelic in nature. Um, But then we also have a contrast. We're experiencing civilizations that don't have that, that are coming here with agendas. Uh, Some of them may seem to have motives that are good, uh, but they may also be misguided in certain ways. You know, there's a whole range of different things that we're experiencing right now.
0: Do you think there's a whole classification of angels? and what i mean is there's archangels there's guardian angels there may be different angels that are some type of messenger what have you discovered
1: well i've read about ways that people have tried to classify things i think there's a certain aspect of how our brains work and you know maybe you could think of some part of this as like a you know a patriarchal consciousness that likes to think of things in terms of hierarchy and so we try to make sense of our experiences and, you know, things that we've witnessed and our sense of how the universe works through sometimes like a patriarchal lens. We're trying to create order and put things into something that we can see. And I don't know that that's really the best or most complete way of seeing how it really works. I tend to think that consciousness in the universe is holographic uh that there isn't really hierarchy in the sense that we normally think of it when it comes to you know really the grand scheme of things if you pull the lens way way back uh then what you would probably see is a universal experience of co-evolution where all levels all aspects of all beings are all a part of one co-evolutionary process. We are evolving as a universe. And from that perspective, there's no hierarchy. Uh, The only way for any aspect of that holographic experience or any reference point of being to evolve and to grow and expand is through treating all beings with such respect that you see them as a mirror of yourselves, you see them as an aspect of yourselves, You hold equality with all beings. I actually think that holding equality with all beings is a key to advancing and expanding your field of consciousness to become more aware of more of what you are as the hologram.
0: One pattern that my near-death experience guests have is that when they see an angel on the other side, usually the angel is about 10 feet tall. During your OBEs, have you seen angels, and if so, what do they look like?
1: Okay, well, uh, there was one encounter, and I've had scores of them, but uh, one that really stands out was a pretty dramatic experience where I went to lay down in my room one night, and I've never had an, an experience quite like this one where within minutes of lying down, the room seemed to fill with mist, that had this kind of ambient glow to it. And I was breathing in this mist and it felt so peaceful. And eventually it's like, I just started lifting up out of my body and I was pulled into the angelic realms. This transition was seamless. I mean, usually when I've gone out of body, it feels like I'm detaching from the densest aspect of what I am as that body. And I'm rolling into this other vehicle made of light and then moving and traveling within that vehicle. This didn't feel like that. It felt like I was physically lifted into the angelic realms, and I was just floating in all of these glowing clouds of color that were singing and vibrating with living information and energy and consciousness. And then this cloud of gold and white light started to move toward me, and I saw this group of beings who informed me that they are the angels of peace. These are the angels that specifically look after all of the peace projects in the world. And they are there to protect the peace potentials in the world, some of which are very fragile. You know, we talk about different regions of conflict. And so, uh, you know, that's an an example of where you have a group of angels that has a specific purpose. I don't know that you could say that they are placed anywhere in a hierarchy. And yet, they have a specific designation. Their purpose is set. There's something specific that they do. A function they perform. But when I saw them, they they didn't have wings. They were wearing, you know, what looked like white robes. Uh, they were glowing this golden white light all around them. Uh, their faces did not look particularly male or female. It was very hard to tell. You had a tiny sense of maleness or femaleness, but they were much closer together. It was very difficult to tell a a difference between the two. And uh, I could not tell anything about height because I was just looking at them face to face. I didn't see like, you know, feet touching the ground anywhere. There was like a cloud of light. They're all there with me face to face. They didn't feel like they were any larger than I was. They felt like they were meeting me as equals and appearing to me the way, you know, you would experience uh, somebody who's, uh, you know, your same height and same, um, you know, proportions and i really imagine they can change size they can be whatever size they want to be i've seen them change form i've seen angels appear as just a ball of uh, light and sacred geometry Uh, sometimes they they've looked like these balls of crystalline energy you see kinds of like crystal patterns reflecting in them and then they can appear as whatever they need to look like
0: i wonder if some of my guests when they're on the other side they're more like an orb and so the angel is, you know, normal human size. So that's why they appear to be so large.
1: Yeah, maybe so. Interestingly, an orb, it seems to be the most common form for any being to take. Uh, so sometimes when I've been traveling out of the body, I'll meet up with friends of mine and we might be, you know, kind of zipping around. And it seems like until we decide upon a certain reality that we want to experience together, we are in orb form and i'll like you know see a particular orb and it's like oh that's my friend you know that i know from from earth and i'll see like several other orbs and you know we all know each other but we're just in this orb form until we decide on a shared dream construct and then suddenly we all appear as our human selves
0: back to out of bodies you read robert monroe's books Did you get like his tapes, or how did you use his material to be able to have an OBE?
1: It was all just pure intention. I read the books. I had such a passion and desire to learn. I tend to think that the biggest barrier for most people is actually fear, uh, that this is a natural capability. Eventually, everyone will know how to do this. I mean, we're talking, you know, maybe hundreds of years in the future. It'll be. Totally commonplace. But every time somebody breaks through this specific fear, which could be fear of death, fear of getting lost, fear of something bad happening, whatever fear we put onto uh, this process, anytime somebody breaks through that, it diminishes the fear for everybody else. We think about it, you know, this is now being talked about much more openly. People are sharing experiences, it's reducing fear of crossing these kinds of thresholds in consciousness. And that's what I hope that my experiences can do for people. I didn't have anybody holding my hand in the physical when this happened. I just, I read some books about it. I was like, please take me, you know, I want to have this experience. And I got help, you know, interestingly, my out-of-body experiences started only a couple months after Robert Monroe passed. And I kind of wonder if maybe he got to the other side and started the next level of the training program. And I was like already a candidate because I had read the books. Well, what if this was always part of the plan? He writes these books. You know, the angels, everyone's angels are aware of who's reading the books. You know, his soul, his team is aware of who's reading the books and who is going, hey, I'm interested. (laughs) I'd like to sign up for class. And so then it all just gets organized holographically and the training starts.
0: That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Now you use the word holographically. Do you mean that we live in a simulation like the matrix?
1: No, and I, I've actually been pondering that because I've seen a lot of people talking about this. And I don't, for some reason, I don't know, maybe it's just an intuitive thing. That idea of we're living in a simulation something doesn't resonate about that terminology. Uh, I'll I'll tell you why I think that is. It's partly because I've seen that there are agendas to try to introduce certain forms of technology that are powerful uh, simulation technology. We're talking like augmented reality, virtual reality that hijacks the normal functioning of the brain and pulls it into a simulated uh, experience where the brain is able to interact with holograms that are being beamed into the brain and people are able to, you know, fly around in dreamscapes and and have all kinds of uh, inner experiences that are generated by technology that might seem to offer us a potential to connect with each other uh, artificially in ways that we actually have the potential to connect with each other naturally. Uh, i mean there's some real dangers of the technologies that are being developed uh, so that they can you know be rolled out after enough of us have gotten hooked on certain levels of this that what they want to introduce looks like the next step like oh wow this is the next step this is the evolution of human consciousness no it's not so whenever i hear this really widespread conversation about like are we living in a simulation I almost wonder if that is a way of devaluing what this reality actually is and what it has the potential to be. Now, I could see it in the sense that, uh, you know, we're talking about quantum mechanics, we're talking about the ability of information and energy at a subatomic level being affected by our thoughts in the same way that, you know, you see Neo in the matrix able to You know reprogram the matrix with this consciousness well yeah we can do that Uh, we can rewrite the way in which matter seems to function in our reality because the fact that everything is solid and behaves in this solid dense way is very much being created through our thoughts and the way that we have chosen to perceive this reality this is a collective dream construct Uh, this is a dream construct that we decided upon for very specific reasons, because it allowed us to be blind and not see the things that we were collectively afraid to see about our own past, about humanity's past. But that denial is being eroded, It's we're changing our resonance to it, and it's going to allow us to reawaken some of the natural uh, manifestation capabilities that we have. Uh, to influence reality more and more consciously with our thoughts in ways that can be very positive and beneficial and can uh, allow us to receive the inheritance of our ancient history and to learn from the lessons of humanity's mistakes in the past so that we don't destroy ourselves again, (laughs) so that we go in the other direction.
0: So how did you move from having OBEs into channeling?
1: Well, that was also something that was by intention, but it's not like I said, okay, I'm going to start to channel, and I just sat down and, you know, immediately had success with doing it. I immediately had confirmations that this is real, this is possible, this is something that I want to do, but it took some time. Uh, there was a, a lot that needed to be undone in my consciousness to start to create space for the level of change in my life, that open to channel was going to bring to me. So from the time that I had my first epiphany that oh wow, channeling is something I want to do, this is going to help me with my writing with my creativity. I'm so excited about this, that sent a signal out into the universe. And it was I want to say, like, almost two years before I had the first really major breakthrough. Uh, where I had a guide appear to me and give me instructions on what to do. And I had my first experience of that guide coming into my body and channeling through me and having telepathic communication with my guide, being introduced to other guides and sort of getting the gist of, you know, what this process has the potential to be. And from there, a lot of my channeling in the beginning after the first breakthrough was through creative writing and journaling and, uh, you know, writing letters to my angels and, Uh, kind of channeling the response in writing, it wasn't like trance state channeling, except in the dream state. And then I want to say, gosh, probably maybe about eight years later, I had a more dramatic opening where all these Ascended Masters came in and said, okay, you're ready for the next level of training. And the quickest way for you to accelerate your own healing is to become a healing conduit for others. And so they immediately had me doing channeled readings for people, had masters just coming and going, wanting to talk to different people. And that kind of opened my practice as a channel. So I was learning on the job. I mean, so much of what I have learned about how channeling works, how to allow different things to happen through channeling happened in the moment I was learning how to do it by witnessing what I was allowing masters to do through me through these readings that I started to give back in 2005. And I'm still doing that today.
0: Do you take a, like a step back consciously and let these masters come in and kind of use your body and you're just kind of there witnessing it or are they communicating to you through your higher self?
1: Well, it's, it, it can happen in more than one way I'm finding. Uh, There's lots of different things that can happen in a a channeling experience, but I would say that for me personally, it's more process of blending with a guide. Sometimes it's like I'm lifting slightly out of my body. Uh, Sometimes I feel that guide and their energy coming to the forefront, but I'm not really leaving. I'm not going anywhere. There's a blending of consciousness and. In my case, I've been given so much training through out-of-body experiences, actually being taken to different places to witness things, either in the Akashic Records or in the afterlife, that they, they are not interested. My guides are not interested in just taking me totally out of the equation because there's a lot there for them to work with. They can bring forth a certain memory inside of me and then start to expound upon it. And so it makes it easy for me to stay in the experience of the wisdom that they are adding to my consciousness at the same time, because they are just as interested in teaching and training me continually through the process of channeling as they are giving that information to other people.
0: So you're saying that they possibly give you downloads as memories and you're sharing them?
1: It's a full range of different things. Uh, it's, it's changed over the years and now there's such a wide variety of things that can happen. Uh, sometimes I am introducing people to guides that I've never met before. Uh, it's something that didn't happen in the beginning. The beginning, these were masters that became very familiar, their frequencies were familiar. And then it gradually expanded over time until the very first time I had somebody's angelic guide came through that I did not know who this guide was. It wasn't a being that I had read about in a book uh, or heard about anybody else channeling. And the first time that happened, I don't even think I got the name of that guide, but eventually it changed and I became capable of getting names for people's spiritual guides. And that, you know, that happens, you know, Every month I'm I'm meeting guides that I've never met before uh, consciously and then introducing a person to that guide and helping them to, you know, make the connection energetically to feel the presence of their guide, to recognize ways in which the guide is working with them. So a lot of my ministry as a channel in recent years has been about introducing people to who their guides are.
0: I think a lot of people voice that they're unable to connect with their guides and also maybe they they feel like their prayers aren't answered why Mm -hmm. is that
1: well I think there has not been enough uh, good instruction out there uh, that's you know plainly available you know sometimes you can find it in a book you know you might be able to you know pay for somebody's course that has some good information about this but People tell me all the time that even just the free course that I created during the pandemic to teach people about channeling, that they you know, listen to even just one of those recordings and they're like, oh my God, I, I've been doing it all wrong. Thank you so much. You totally showed me uh, what to do differently so that I could start to make this connection. So I think that a lot of people see examples of channeling you know, maybe on television or on YouTube and they see these really well-known channels and what it looks like when they're channeling a specific guide. And, you know, maybe they watch the person go into a trance state. They, uh, you know, see a whole other personality or energy come through and they think that's channeling. That's what it should look like. That's what's happening if you're doing it right. And that is not the case. Uh, I, I came at this from not having like you know, a super expanded psychic ability. I had enough, enough intuitive sense that I could discover the really powerful insight that I teach people, which is that you don't need to have the gifts for the most part. You need more willingness to learn and your guides are going to share their psychic gifts with you. (laughs) So they actually know the human body better than we do. They can see all of the points of entry, the points of receptivity, the whole chakra system. They know how to you know, get a chakra to open and spin and vibrate. They know how to coax you into a deeper state of connection. And so a lot of times people are trying really hard to hear something or see something right away and they get disappointed and discouraged when channeling doesn't happen in that way. But there's another way to approach it, and that is through focusing upon being present to yourself and allowing your guide to blend energies with you and then just noticing what you notice, noticing where you feel change, what you feel is happening in your body or in your field of awareness, not trying to make it go in one direction or another, but just allowing and being in the experiment of getting to know your guide by blending energies with them.
0: Are there like any simple techniques that you can share with us on how to start channeling?
1: Yeah, well, I'll say that a lot of people, when they're trying to connect with a guide, they might be trying to focus on the energy of the guide, you know, or focusing as if sending their energy out of their body or, you know, trying to reach out for something outside of themselves. But actually, it works better for you to focus on being present with your body, present with your breath, present with your heartbeat. Because as you're focusing on being present to you, your guide is going to blend with that focus and also be present to you. So if you're both focusing on being present to you, then your frequencies are going to match up. It just you know becomes an easier pairing of energy. Like if they're focused on being present to you and you're focused on trying to find the connection to them, And, you know, striking out or just, you know, you're not getting what their energy is like enough to to focus on it. It just, it doesn't work. You need to get this other piece first. And then once you start to pair energies with them, then you can find your focus on their frequency and where they're coming from. And you have a balance of being present to yourself and being present to them. So I would say start with doing kind of a meditation practice where you're inviting your angelic guides to blend energies with you, to create sacred space around you, and just practice being in sacred space to feel what sacred space feels like while you're focused on being present to yourself, present to your breath. Another thing that makes a a good pairing and a good bridge is to focus on giving to yourself the kinds of things that your guides want to give to you. So your guides want to bring to you the love they have for you, the compassion they have for you, and most of all, the self-acceptance. They want to help you to accept yourself exactly as you are. So if you are not accepting yourself as you truly are, how are you going to pair energies with beings that do accept you exactly as you are? You're basically tossing out their acceptance of you and saying no i don't resonate with that so you know i mean that's one of the best things you can do focus on receiving the acceptance the unconditional acceptance your angelic guides have for you by choosing to accept yourself exactly as you are then it becomes easier to feel their acceptance
0: is it safe to channel and what i mean by that is is it possible that you could ever start channeling a dark entity
1: yeah well that's a very good question. I'm glad you asked that. Uh I would say that it is safe for anyone to start this process. Uh I would not ever discourage people and say, you know, don't try this at home, you know, this is only for the professionals. No, anybody can channel. It's our birthright. It is safe. However, there is one caveat to that. Uh and that is In terms of extraterrestrial energy specifically, because we're dealing with a spectrum, because there are some groups and energies that have agendas, there are some extraterrestrial groups that look for people that are opening themselves psychically as channels, but don't have any discernment yet to tell what's what. And so you have to be very careful when approaching uh, that connection into the galactic Uh, extraterrestrial spectrum of consciousness. So I always tell people, start with the angels first. Start working with the angelic energy. You have an angelic team. Anyone who is going to undergo this transformation and this journey of learning how to channel and opening themselves as a conduit is going to have an angelic team with you to support you. The moment that you start to send out this kind of signal that says, I'm ready, there is an angelic response to that so what you want to do is welcome that angelic response receive it trust that it's there and ask for the discernment of the angelic presence to be your guide to anything else that you might cross wires with so that way you can immediately start to tell the difference between what is aligned with the angelic energy and what is not so i did have some experiences in the very beginning where I became very ungrounded. I went through uh, an experience that lasted several days where I crossed wires with some less than light energies that were trying to tempt me and uh, promising that they were gonna accelerate my psychic abilities to uh, a much greater level and they were gonna connect me with their extraterrestrial ships. And I got a huge dose of something that I've seen other people go through too uh, that have tapped into some of these energies that prey upon uh, newbies, you know, so to speak, uh, undiscerning uh, people that are just starting to open their inner senses. And I realized later on that i had had a conversation with the master Jesus, Yeshua, um, before this happened. And I had told him, said, look, I know there are less than light energies that are trying to lead humanity astray. Can we make some kind of arrangement where I could end up sort of falling under the influence of some of these temporarily so that I could see what kinds of things they do to tempt people and then pull me out of it? Is is there a way that we can trick the dark forces into revealing their plans (laughs) and I could be like a double agent and then sort of, you know, get the gist of, of, you know, what their agendas are like and then pull me out of it? And we agreed to this. And then it happened. And three days later, when I got snapped out of it, uh, I remembered this conversation with Jesus that took place in the out-of-body state, which the memory of that had been sort of uh, d- become displaced. So that way I was going into this experience blind. I didn't remember that I'd had that conversation until afterwards. And then it all came back to me. It's like, ah, oh, okay, this is what we need to to warn people about. So now I teach people about how important it is to not be enamored with uh, spiritual gifts and abilities, that spiritual gifts and abilities and you know psychic powers, those things are not anything to chase after. You don't need uh, those to become who you truly are. It's better to take a humble approach of allowing the angelic presence to connect you with whatever higher function you might need in a given moment to be of service instead of trying to, you know, become more and more clairvoyant or trying to become more and more clairaudient or, you know, trying to, you know, get access to access, excuse me, access to some uh, special power that you feel you've tapped into. Because what happens is people tap into something. Like I remember um, tapping into once an, an experience where, I was able to lay my hands on somebody and it's like I could see through my hands and I could see into their past lives. I could see the memories in a particular area of a person's body as if those memories were streaming right into my hand and into my third eye, which I thought was so cool. I had always wanted to be able to do something like that, but I formed no attachment to that. I didn't feel like, okay, now this is going to be my thing. This is what I'm going to be known for. This is, I'm going to build a whole ministry around having this ability. And, uh, you know, I'm going to, you know, keep expanding upon this. Um, by that time, when I had an experience like that, I was able to be totally detached and go, okay, that was really cool that, you know, maybe God needed me to have that particular ability in that moment to help that one person. And I might never have that ability again. That's how detached you want to be to not care about whether or not you're becoming more psychic or where it's all gonna go, but to stay grounded in your focus of just being willing to learn, having a desire to grow spiritually and a desire to be of service. And let the guys upstairs decide like you know, what you're gonna have access to when and just be on that adventure of wanting to learn through connection, through experiencing a deeper human connection with the people that you're serving and, you know, being of that, uh, consciousness of compassion and reflectivity. And let's look deeper into who we are as human beings, as mirrors for each other. You know, when that's what inspires you, then everything else that's added onto that is a bonus.
0: In the beginning, I stated that you are a spiritual historian. So can you share with us some of the most shocking things you've learned about our history?
1: Ooh. (laughs) Okay. Where do I begin? (laughs) I have to think about this because I've learned a lot of shocking things that I have not uh, rolled out yet and and shared because I've been waiting for the right time. So I have to think about what I even can share. Uh, So let me think here. Some of the most shocking things I would say have to do with uh, religion. Uh, and religious history, and things that have been distorted in the world's religions. I'll share one that is not, I would say, super controversial. Uh, There are different camps uh, of of belief around this, but it's something that is not out there, I don't think uh, very much. And that is that When the master Yeshua was uh, alive and he was, uh, you know, in charge of the ministry that was being uh, built around him and he was creating a vehicle for these different teachings, uh, there were the teachings that he was giving publicly when he was out talking to, you know, huge crowds of people. And then there were teachings that were being given privately, many of which were prophecies about the human experience that had not, that had opened inside of him and had been activated in some of his closest disciples uh, that had been with him the longest. Uh, But these were things that were like prophecies about the human experience that had been sealed. And they were sealed and placed inside of our collective dna like a gift that would one day open inside of us well one of the most shocking things that i learned is that uh where the public teachings went uh and how they were shaped was in part to uh lead us astray from what the specific uh private sealed teachings were about but the divine plan is more clever than any of the distortions that took place and so there is a plan that is unfolding in human consciousness uh, whereby these sealed teachings are going to be unsealed inside of us in a way that supplants the distortions uh, that will create and bring about uh, a very major unraveling of Christianity specifically, but it'll it'll impact a number of other uh, religions as well in in the Abrahamic uh, family of religions. Uh, And it'll touch everyone ultimately because, uh, you know, these sealed teachings are teachings that are for everyone and about everyone, and so no specific religion can contain those. <laughs> so Christianity absolutely does not have a monopoly on <laughs> what these original teachings of Christ were and who they were for. Uh, and that's probably one of the most controversial things because a lot of people believe that, you know, if I believe this, if I believe that, if, you know, if I believe this certain set of beliefs, then I'm in the vehicle of Christ's plan. And that is going to, uh, that's going to be dispelled uh, because the plan is much more inclusive and isn't dependent upon what church you go to or even whether or not you believe that the Bible is the word of God. It's really just not dependent upon that. There's a whole new kind of human experience that's going to start to awaken inside of us independent of what religion you are, what church you belong to, what sets of religious beliefs you have. And I'll say that part of the way that I would describe the difference between the old form of religion and the new form of religion, um, if you could even call it religion, um, I don't know that I would, but uh, the old form is uh, very left-brained, I would say, in that it's about adherence to the structures beliefs being an aspect of that, the church being an aspect of that. It's a religion based upon identification with structure. And what we're moving into is a new kind of spiritual experience that is about identification with a field of consciousness that unites us, that connects all of our brains and chakras and nervous systems together, and that opens the way for people to access living information about life, the universe, and everything from that field. Imagine being able to ask the collective of all human knowledge a question, and your mind and your consciousness and your heart is flooded with holographic information that is informing you, where the collective is informing you. That's one of the reasons why these uh, technologies that I warn about are so dangerous is because It has the illusion of giving us that next level of evolution, but in an artificial way that actually traps us and prevents us from discovering these more natural capabilities uh, to evolve as a collective without technology.
0: When do you think this unsealing is going to happen? And do you consider this to be part of the ascension?
1: Uh, yes, I will say that it is part of the planetary shift in consciousness, uh, which is part of a longer ascension process that stretches you know, well beyond this century. Um, I don't know if you came across this in uh, any of the things that you saw of my work, but one of the things I've received from the human beings of the future is that there are actually four different planetary shifts in consciousness that we will go through over the next few thousand years. So we're living through one of them in this century, which is incredibly exciting. There will be others. Uh, And the Ascension process is a process where the potential of who we are on the other side of each shift is guiding the humanity that is leading up to it. So the future is guiding the past. Uh, Our future selves beyond this current planetary shift are inspiring us to move forward with everything that we have to do to go through this evolution to become those versions of ourselves. Uh, So there's a way that the future is always folding over to touch the past. But yes, when will the unsealing take place? Uh, It's not going to happen at the same time for everyone. It's going to be something that happens gradually uh, in a small number of people and then it's, it's almost like a spiral that's opening. You know, the numbers are small at first and gradually it's bigger and bigger and bigger until eventually everyone will have some kind of a living connection to this. Some people will be more uh, gifted or adept or attuned at bringing in information uh, from these new internal spiritual resources, uh, but everyone will find a connection to this within themselves we're going to discover that there's a way for human beings to form a container energetically for forms of holographic living information that arises from and vibrates right out of our dna into a space of consciousness that we learn to hold with the human chakra system with our presence so that we can all really look and feel and see and read information Uh, together as an evolving group uh, and to learn how to surf the records, uh, you know, the Akashic records and the hidden channels of history in our DNA and do extraordinary things with our bodies and our consciousness uh, to feel things that we're going to be able to feel that, you know, human beings have not been that open to feel with our inner senses for thousands of years, not since the times of the ancient mystery
0: schools in Egypt. What have you learned about Lemuria and Atlantis.
1: Well, I have memories of both Lemuria, Atlantis. Uh, I I've had experiences of kind of time traveling and going back into incarnations in those times. Uh, sometimes witnessing from the out of body state. So, a lot of people may have heard of this prophecy that Edgar Casey channeled that the Hall of Records which was connected with this hidden chamber beneath the Sphinx, uh, was going to open in 1998. Well, in 1999, I had an experience of going into the Hall of Records in the out-of-body state and accessing holographic living records of Atlantis. And I was able to watch the destruction of the island specifically, uh, but also how that was part of an unraveling of destruction in a civilization that was actually uh, much more global. It wasn't all uh, centrally located in one place. So I remember now uh, a lost civilization that stretched apart, um, uh, across parts of Northern Africa. Uh, there were parts of it that were in the Americas, parts of it were uh, on other islands, You know, many of which have sunk beneath the ocean uh, during the last a major glacial meltdown and uh, Lemuria I believe started before the time of Atlantis and overlapped it uh, and parts of Lemuria continued on past the destruction of Atlantis underground and has still been unfolding inside the earth some of it actually took on parts of Atlantean culture and so now there's a culture living inside the earth that is of a slightly higher vibration than we are And that uh, is a little bit of a blend of both Lemurian and Atlantean culture.
0: When you're getting this history of our spiritual records, is it from the angels or from the ETs?
1: Both. Uh, I went through an education process that involved both. So there was a time when I was working a lot with Pleiadian guides and they were connecting me with the holographic records that they have of human history that are connected with their ships and their memory banks you know whatever they have as a resource there and i was seeing these holographic movies and sometimes i was being taken aboard their ships and it was if i was traveling back in time and being shown things uh, that happened in atlantis during the development of that culture and then there was a whole other separate education process where i had a, a council of 12 angelic beings that were appearing to me at night And I would find myself hovering slightly out of my body, and uh, these guides would read to me from a book of living records. And as they were reading from this book, it would cause me to have memories of, like, you know, the life of Yeshua, the Master Jesus, uh, or the life of the Prophet Muhammad, or the life of the Buddha, or, you know, many other times in ancient history. Uh, I was shown, like, an entire history of uh, the Mormon revelation uh, that came through and the effect that that had on the people that were involved in it. Um, And I was even shown alternative versions of American history of what America would have been like if distortions had not crept into that particular uh, revelation and movement. Uh, So it's, it's been a really, really interesting educational process that's touched upon every aspect of uh, our spiritual history as a species.
0: Do you feel that humanity is being guided and or even manipulated by different angelic beings, ETs, other entities?
1: Well, uh, let me just say that yes, and any manipulation that has occurred, uh, is occurring, is also occurring inside of a larger, more all-encompassing plan that has allowed those things to occur for the purpose of learning and spiritual growth. So for example, I know a lot of people have, uh, you know, heard things about reptilian beings, uh, had a lot of encounters with and connections with uh, these types of beings, uh, some of which are extraterrestrial, some of which come from an ancient uh, time on the earth when uh, there was an advanced reptilian civilization on the earth that learned how to travel through time uh, and eventually ascended and uh, became a a race of ascended beings, Uh, there are a lot of people that have touched upon this information of uh, reptilian controllers and manipulators and things like that in history. And in my own education process, I was able to pull back the lens and see that even that was just a plan within a larger plan, within a larger plan, where certain lessons were being set up that were part of a shared initiation between humanity and that particular family of consciousness that is leading to uh, breakthroughs and ascension and uh, an awakening inside of both. And so, Uh, Yeah, all of the manipulations are allowed because it's part of a test. Uh, There are manipulations that are taking place right now coming from extraterrestrial groups trying to introduce technologies that they want us to become dependent upon because it will lead us down a technological pathway that will make humanity more compatible with the part of the galactic spectrum that they exist within, whereas... Uh, there's also an angelic process of integration and connection where we're being introduced to the technology of angelic consciousness uh, that has the potential to help us unify and become one humanity as an autonomous collective that is sovereign, that is free, that is uh, embodying our true divine relationship as stewards and guardians of the earth. And so you have different things going on that are designed to create a kind of a test where we're learning how to discern in ways that will eventually be hugely impactful for the other ways that we're going to be helping, uh, you know, other civilizations that go through the same stage, you know, thousands, thousands of years from now, we will be like the Arcturians helping some other world that's going through a stage similar to the one we're going through now, where we're going to be the aliens one day, the angelically integrated aliens that are uh, there to gently help a civilization awaken and perhaps uncover hidden agendas in their midst uh, that they have to steer clear of.
0: Did you learn about our history as humans? And what I mean by that is, are we from this planet we brought here? we manipulated from neanderthals or some other proto-human of what we are today
1: yeah well uh this is one of those really controversial subjects that i'm I'm kind of waiting to roll out the full picture for when i can publish the details because it's a very multi-dimensional complex story that i've never seen you know anyone fully grasp it in the way that it was taught to me, I had to let go of so many different distortions and attachments and assumptions and misconceptions to be able to read the records that are in our bodies. The good news is, is that, you know, part of what's unsealing is our ability to read the records of our own bodies, because the story is right there in our DNA. We have the ability to remember what our origins are what we're made of so i can tell you a few things about that Uh, i will say that we are a mix and we were designed and meant to be a mix and when i say designed i don't mean designed by extraterrestrials i mean that uh, there was a a larger plan for who we were going to be uh that came from a much higher source beyond now i call it God, the creator, prime creator, whatever you want to call it, that incorporated uh, the smaller plans of extraterrestrial beings and those who had an interest in participating in the human project. So I would say uh, there's an aspect of us that evolved here and that evolved from a particular primate family of consciousness because some of our DNA came from that source. However, we also have extraterrestrial groups, particularly the Pleiadians, uh, the Syrians, and even some advanced reptilian genesis that were involved in a project to uh, take a primitive human being and to augment them and give them certain characteristics of consciousness that would allow us to accelerate in our evolution and to become uh, compatible with much more a much more conscious family of souls that was going to start to incarnate into that new guardian species Uh, you know there's there's a much more complex story to to that project itself but then there's an aspect of us that is divinely created there is an aspect of uh, human consciousness that was uh brought into form as a pure divine masculine feminine consciousness we call this adam and eve but there there's something to this story i'm not going to spell it all out right now but there is something to the story of adam and eve and that that has a role to play uh, and that has been distorted massively but is going to come to light because there's an aspect of who we are that was divinely created and added to an already existing human species that was awakening into other levels of what we have the potential to be that come directly from source and not from any particular extraterrestrial group. And that has been one of the, the biggest challenges for our history is that who the divine says that we are and claims us to be and the way in which we've been divinely gifted to have a certain role in relationship to the earth that is sovereign flies in the face of some of the extraterrestrial agendas of beings that believe that you know they created us for their their own purposes and the divine is saying no i've got something different in mind for these beings (laughs) and you are you know these extraterrestrial groups you're part of that just part of it. (laughs) And uh, that has created uh, some some really interesting forms of conflict and distortion and changing of records and distorting of revelation to try to create lies about who we are and where we came from and to basically create a confusing mess out of our prehistory. Uh, So there's a lot of records that have been wiped out. Uh, There's a lot of Uh, things that happen to try to uh, trick us into not knowing that we can just remember what happened by accessing the truth inside of our own bodies. So the good news is nobody has to decide whether or not, or, or determine whether or not anyone's version of the truth in any book is the correct version or which one is the most true. We're going to evolve to a point where we get past that. And nothing that anyone puts in writing is ever going to approach the level of revelatory awakening that can occur as we go through the process of reconnecting with the truth that is actually there in our own dna so we're going to become conscious of what's in our dna and it's going to be very very revealing
0: sorry after watching this podcast people may want to reach out to you and ask you questions are you up for that Yes. What's the best way to reach you?
1: Well, I'll give you a couple different things. Uh, First of all, I do have a YouTube channel. You can find me very easily on YouTube. There's not a lot of uh, well-known Sarians on YouTube. (laughs) So uh, just look me up and you, you know, I always look at the comments people leave and I'm looking for questions. I want to answer people's questions and I'd like to do that publicly so that it benefits as many people as possible. So if people want to, leave me questions about, you know, what video would you like me to make next about these kinds of topics? I'm going to be doing a lot of filming in the coming weeks and months. So I'll be looking for cues and tips as to, you know, where to go. Uh, But I also do private readings. I love working with people to help them overcome obstacles in their life, uh, to help them Make a connection with their spiritual guides to you know learn how to take the next step in, in their own ability to connect to discern guidance and that's something that i i'm still doing it for the time being it's eventually going to be phased out as i move on to other projects but it's a great joy for me to do that so you know get them while you can <laughs> these are, are very powerful uh readings and I, I love channeling for people um but also i have a a free learning to channel course and also curated videos of tips and expertise from other channelers uh, that's part of a new project called channeling.com so people can go to channeling.com slash register sign up for the free channeling course and you know get access to all the other videos that that are there that is a project that's going to keep expanding and growing Because I'm working on creating a free resource to help people get started with this. And then eventually, if people want more in-depth instruction, then they can participate in one of the upcoming uh, live online courses or come to one of my retreats. I'm starting to do retreats in Sedona, and I love working with people and and channeling for them in person, too.
0: You've also written a couple of books. What are the titles and where can we find them?
1: Uh, Okay, so... uh, Now I've only published one so far. I've published a number of short stories in a series called Common Sentience by uh, Sacred Stories. Uh, It's the publishing company that I work with now. And I have this one right here. This is Roya Sands and the Bridge Between Worlds. Now if you resonate with any of the kind of things I've been talking about, then this book, it's a Spiritual fiction story. It's somewhat geared toward young adults, but it's you know, not so many young adults maybe are um, you know going to resonate with it in this way that I would have when I was that age. I I think about like the kind of book that I would have loved when I was that age that was uh, awakening me because I was reading books about channeling and you know UFOs and near death experiences. This has it all. It's a fiction story that weaves some of the most profound revelations that I received about the timelines, the truth of hidden civilizations, uh, our potential to shift in consciousness, and it's book one of a series. And so that particular book dives into a lot of things that are behind the scenes, some of which I didn't even want to talk about in a nonfiction way yet, so I put it in a fiction book. so that I can just kind of plant some seeds for what's coming later on.
0: Sarion, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message?
1: Yes. Well, right now there is what the angels are calling an angelic portal uh, that has been created that is a very specific vibrational space. I would call it a sacred space that is being kind of downloaded into the earth the physical plane and what this angelic portal and sacred space is uh, is a, a place for us to connect with each other through the angelic frequency and so what wants to happen right now in the world is human unity uh the sense of there being one heart coming online inside of us and so you know if you got a whole group of people together all of which might be you know they could be awakened people people that believe in the presence of one heart one mind a singularity of consciousness that's guiding us and overlining us you know these may be all people that believe in our possible you know our possibility of becoming one but if you get them all together in a room to you know actually interact with each other we still all have you know, wounds, we have issues, we have, you know, personality clashes, there's a lot of barriers and, you know, fear of intimacy, barriers can get in the way of of real coming together into a unity vibration. So this angelic space that's been created is kind of like a buffer. Uh, It's like, imagine if you had a highly spiritually charged, uh, huge Pool of water, like a natural hot spring that was charged with healing energy, and energy that supports people to uh, feel safety in their connection with each other. That is what this angelic portal is, and so we can welcome this into our hearts, into our space, and ask the angels to uh, bring in this angelic portal to help us connect with all of the other people in the world that want unity consciousness and are beginning to accept angelic support to connect with the one heart
0: sorry John. thank you for that message and thank you for being my guest
1: yeah thank you so much it's been great
0: thanks for watching the jeff mara podcast